I'm uh, sitting there minding my own business, listening to the hymn, join it, and God gives you a whole nother point to your sermon. And you want to go, where was this all week long? I don't know if I'll get to it. Turn, if you would, to Psalm number 33. Psalm number 33. Okay, that's not right. Go to Psalm number 107. I know that's right. This, uh, just to share with you, I'm, uh, I'm on a new medication. I've been on it now for a week and a half. I started out on a half a pill. They said I could take up to two pills. I've been taking a full pill since Wednesday. They said it can cause some confusion and uh, one of the side effects. I can't tell a difference in my confusion. I feel a little more dizzy, but uh, I've been confused ever since the accident or ever since the surgeries, so I, I don't, I can't tell a difference. But um, I wrote down Psalm 33, verse 55, and there's not 55 verses in the 33rd Psalm. So bear with me and I'll have more confusing things later. <laughs> Psalm 107. I want to speak today in the two messages on that which is good. That which is good. Verse 8. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 15. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. 
Turn over, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5. I think I got this one right. Matthew chapter 5. You'll notice that it says there in Psalm 107, the children of men. It doesn't say the children of God. God has goodness toward all people and wonderful works toward all people. And in Matthew 5, you'll notice Verse 45, it says that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. So he, the Son doesn't just rise on saved people's property and rain on saved people's property, does it? So God does good things to those that are lost and uh, elect and non-elect and children of Belial and so on and so forth. He does it to the children of men. It is an outstanding truth that we do not understand goodness. We believe that we have goodness. How often do we hear people talk about goodness as it's something that people have inherently? (coughs) Oh, he's a good person. Oh, she's a good person. The Bible tells us that when God created man, and when God finished creation, he said... It was very good. But the Bible tells us that man sought out many inventions. And sin having entered the world, the Bible now states, there is none that doeth good, no, not one. That's quite a difference from God pronouncing it was very good to there is none that doeth good, no, not one. Quite a drastic change, isn't it? The Bible describes to us that it is the Lord alone who does good at all times. I want to observe for the remainder of this, this, this portion of our sermon uh, in the first hour this morning, or the first sermon, I want to look at Genesis chapter 50, Joseph and his brothers. Genesis chapter 50, if you would. And I want to note that which is good. I don't know how familiar you all are with the story of Joseph. It was uh, taught to me at a young age. 
In fact, my mother was my Sunday school teacher. And she taught the, the story to me. Uh, we went through it over several weeks. Uh, months even. Going through it. And it made quite an impression upon me. In Genesis chapter 50, I want to read verse 15 through 21. This is at the end of the story. The Bible says, And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, and who was Joseph and his brothers? Who was their father? It was Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. Now that's the way a lot of people think. Oh, we did, we did terrible to, to our brother and now that our dad's dead, he's going to come after us. That's the way human beings think, isn't it? Verse 16, And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. <laughs> yeah, they did. And now we pray thee, Forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? Notice what Joseph says. It's not my place to judge you. That's God's place. That's a great attitude to have. Brothers, you've done a horrible wrong to me. But it's not my place to judge you. That's God's place. And I'm not in His place. Verse 20, this is where we'll spend the majority of our time looking. He says, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones, and, be, and, and he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Now I want you to notice here, we'll look at verse 20, and I want to give you a little background. He says unto them, But as for you, ye thought evil against me. Now I want you to notice here, and, and let's look back if you would, turn to Genesis chapter 37, Genesis 37 and let's look at verse uh, 20. I want to note several verses here. He says, You thought evil against me. Well, what, what evil did they think against Joseph? What was this evil thing that they had done? I mean, was this, was this uh, well, we took your favorite toy and we broke it? Or, you know, we, we, you know, we, we told a couple lies about you. Well, let's read what they did. Genesis 37 and verse 20. 
<clears throat> Here's what they say, and this is what was in their heart about Joseph. Here were their thoughts and their what was in the imagination of their thoughts. And in their hearts it says, uh, Come now therefore let us slay him and cast him into some pit and we will say some evil beast hath devoured him and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Look in verse 26. And Judah said unto his brethren, he's, he's in a pit. He's, that what they did was they, they took him and they put him in a pit. They didn't kill him yet. They just put him into a pit. There's no water in there. And he's in a pit in verse 26. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother in our flesh. And his brethren were content. And there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. So, boys, you ever wonder why when y'all are fighting in the back of the van, and I ask if you want to sell your brother to some Ishmaelites, that's where I got it from. When Joseph says... In chapter 50, you thought evil against me? You thought evil against me? Here's the evil. First, they wanted to murder him and throw him in a pit and then lie about it. Then they took him, threw him in a pit where there was no water, and then they said, well, there he is. He's sitting over there in a pit, and here they are over here. Well, what are we going to do with him? Oh, here comes some Ishmaelites. Let's sell him to them. So they pick him up out of the pit and sell him for 20 pieces of silver. Can you imagine that? Now, at the same time, we've probably done this in our hearts to our siblings. Now, I want you to for a minute, turn over to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. And I want to read this verse here. And it tells us here, it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The word evil in this verse is the same evil in Genesis 50 verse 20. It's the same word. So, he says, You only thought evil of me just like it was in the days of Noah. Essentially, you only had total depravity in your heart toward me. 
How about Genesis chapter 8, verse 21? Here the Lord speaks. Genesis 8, verse 21. <clears throat> says, And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore everything, everything living as I have done. That word evil, again, is the same as what Joseph said about his brother's thoughts toward him. Look over in Genesis 13, 13. This one here also describes in a shocking way, I thought, Genesis 13, 13. If the other two didn't shock you, this one I think may very well. Genesis 13, 13. It says, But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. The word wicked here in reference unto the people of Sodom is the same word rendered evil in Genesis 50.20. So the Holy Spirit uses the same word to describe Sodomites as he does the brothers of Joseph. Isn't that something? Now, let me propose something. Have you ever had something evil done to you or even as, in this case, as Joseph said, but as for you, ye thought you meant evil against me. You intended evil against me. Have wicked men or women ever done wickedly to you? How about siblings? How about close relations? Sometimes maybe we deserve wicked things done to us. This is not the case with Joseph. Or sometimes maybe we don't deserve wicked things. And in this case, Joseph did not deserve these things, but they thought these evil things against him. But I want you to look at the next part of the verse. It says, but God... But God meant it unto good. Those evil things which were thought against you for evil, God meant it unto good. And that word meant... M-E-A-N-T, here in verse 20, may be rendered to weave. But God weaved, or wove. Like a, like a, 
a weaver, somebody who weaves a rug. Any of you ladies, or even some of you brethren, sisters and brethren, you knit, you crochet, you cross-stitch. You know the intricacies. Emma was doing something the other day and she had to undo quite a bit. She miscounted. You know the pain of that. Horatio will do something. He likes a lot of vibrant colors. And I'll say, outline it in black. Outline it in black. It'll show the detail better. It'll really show everything so much better. Black's a dark color, isn't it? In the scriptures, black is a... Is, it, it, it is representative of that which is dark, stormy, sinful. Deceptive, un, not, not liked. Evil. But you know, when you get done with something, an overall picture of something, the dark colors, they're needful, aren't they? They'll make the bright colors stand out even better. You take a, a beautiful picture and you take the dark black color out of it and it all blends together. Christ takes the evil and He weaves it in your life unto good purposes. God uses evil thoughts of men and He weaves them for good into our lives. The whole time it was going on, God was weaving it for good. In fact, I think it's over here. saw it the other day. Yep. There's a little poem. <coughs> I'm going to read this to you. It says, My life is but a weaving between my Lord and me. I cannot choose the colors. He worketh steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride... Forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly shall God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why. The dark threads are as needful 
in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. And that's what God was doing in Joseph's life. Even the evil thoughts of his siblings. Isn't that something? The whole time it was going on. Joseph did not know it when he was in the pit, when he was sold to the Ishmaelites, when he was sold to Potiphar, when he was accused by Potiphar's wife of of, uh, attempting to rape her, when he was cast into prison, when he was forgotten in prison. But the whole time, God was weaving his life unto good. Think of all the evil that has happened in your life. God's weaving it. There's so much evil you and I don't even know about. So much evil going on in Washington, D.C. So much evil going on in Davos, Switzerland with the World Economic Forum. There's so much evil that goes on in uh, families. Hate to say it, there's evil that goes on in some churches. But God weaves. And He weaves it for good. I'm going to use a little bit of improper English as I'm prone to do. But do you know what the goodest thing God ever weaved? Turn over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 verse 22. Acts 2, verse 22, it says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. The Bible tells us that men wickedly planned to slay the Lord Jesus Christ his entire life. From the very beginning, he came into the world And Herod tried to kill him. And God sent him to Egypt. And then he brought him back after Herod was gone. 
And then even then, all through his earthly ministry, they tried to slay him. They sat in council how they might kill him. But his hour was not yet come. And then when his hour came, he submitted to it, didn't he? And the Bible tells us here in this verse, verse 23, he was delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. God had predetermined all of this. He had been weaving it before the foundation of the world. And he was now bringing it to pass and evil men had been planning and purposing it and now he was going to be crucified, he was buried, and then God would raise him up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. And why was this done? The same as Joseph. To save much people alive. God had sent Joseph ahead of Jacob and his sons because there was a great famine in the world and he sent Joseph to store up corn and all sorts of food because he had given Joseph great wisdom and there were seven great years of harvest And then there were going to be seven lean years. And the lean years were going to be so lean that people were going to forget how great the seven great years were. And Joseph told Pharaoh, he said, listen, we've got to store up. Or else we ain't going to make it. And boy, here come Joseph's brethren. And then here come Joseph's dad. Save much people alive. Save Egypt. Save Joseph's brethren. Save Jacob. Save people all over the world. And here we have, he was a, Joseph was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is it that these things happened to Christ? To save much people alive. Why did he die on the cross? Why was he buried? Why was he raised again? To save much people alive. All the evil that Christ that was done unto the Lord Jesus Christ, why was it done? All that was thought against him, why was it done? To save much people alive. Praise God. Amen. Praise God, Christ didn't get sidetracked. Praise God that Christ didn't sit there like I do. Oh, poor pitiful me. Why people being mean to me? Why people think so evil of me? Why people being mean to me? Why are why my siblings thinking evil thoughts toward me? It's not fair. Remove that phrase from your vocabulary, it's not fair. Because nothing is fair. God's not fair. If God were fair, we'd all be in hell. Because if He gave you what you deserve, that's where we'd all be. 
So just remove that from your vocabulary. People say, oh, this ain't fair. That ain't fair. It's not right. What, you're, what you mean to say is, well, I don't, I, I don't like that. I think I deserve more. All you deserve is hell. That's the only thing you'll ever deserve. That's the only thing you'll merit. Everything else is mercy. Everything else is God's grace. I don't understand. Some of these good things that God does. I don't, I have a finite mind and it's becoming more finite. You know, older you get, I think the less you understand. But I know this, this is the goodest thing that God did for me. If you're saved, it's the goodest thing He ever did for you. Is that He worked all that evil. He wove it. He meant it for good. To save you. And we marvel at it. We marvel at what God did for me. Who am nothing. Isn't that what what Nebuchadnezzar said? Compared to God, we're nothing. Think about what Paul said. He said, I'm uh, less than the least of saints. And yet, this is what God did to save you, to save me. Think about the different, those who have ministered in the gospel to you parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents. Think about ministers of God, churches, missionaries, so churches would be planted, established, set up. Think about all the things that God has woven to bring you to this day that you might hear this sermon that this day might be brought to pass. That's an amazing thing. There's a lot of evil that he wove to 
he wove unto good. A lot of evil. There's a lot of dark threads. But they make the the gold ones look really good. If you're here and you're lost, this is the goodest thing that you'll ever find. Amen. It's the goodest thing you'll ever find. Christ Jesus dying on the cross for your sins. So we implore you to turn to Him to repent and believe on Him. We're going to have an intermission till uh, I'm going to say 10 till because I want to start by 11. So that way when you all don't get to your seats till 11 o'clock we'll be on time.